Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. We could go on all day. Uh, we could do this for. Uh, well, I could probably do this for a few minutes. How long you got? I'd be here all day. Fuck! It's my day off. I don't need to sleep. What is sleep? What is sleep? What is drugs? <laughs> Alrighty, well, welcome everybody back to Color Me Dead, episode one seventeen. Donald Pee Wee Gaskins, part three. Part three. If you guys want to find us on social media, get there on Twitter with Color Me Dead Pod. Facebook, Color Me Dead Podcast, or the Color Me Dead Podcast group. You can find us on Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast. And Gory underscore Nikki and Color Me Dead Angel. Yes, you can. Yeesh. Um, also, catch us on ageofradio.org slash Color Me Dead. You guys can check out our episodes. Check out other shows on the syndicate. There's quite a Sh- few now. Yes, there are. Um... You can shop the bazaar and also donate to our Patreon. There is a great big button there. And thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We have lots of examinators now, which is fucking cool. We have Sharon Hoffman, Melissa Morgan, Eric Stark, Quincy Rowe, and Samantha Vaughn. Yes, and a massive thank you to Samantha Vaughn for letting us borrow this amazing book that is over $200 for a used copy. Oh, by the by, if you hop on like eBay and stuff now... There's copies that people are legitimately posting up for like $700. Oh, no. I found one for $900. You're out of your mind. Because they, they didn't no, make very many of them. So when it was first sold, it was $19.95, right? $19.95. Me right. They didn't make very many. Uh, that would make it... Oh, I can't remember who it was. I was having a conversation with them and they were like, why is this book so expensive? I'm like, I don't fucking know. it's rare as Well, book. now it makes sense that... Mm-hmm. Because the book didn't have all that many copies put into production, and now it's probably on some weird moratorium where they're never going to print more. No. Why would you? Because it's filthy. Oh, God. Whew. Dude, I have read a lot of disgusting things in my true crime obsession slash podcast career. But the things that you will read about Pee Wee Gaskins are bar none some of the nastiest things you'll ever read. And what gets me is the way that he words things. Oh, when for real. When he's talking about licking, I tasted her crack, her front and her back. And like, she, I'm like, can you fucking stop? Dude, and, and the really horrifying thing is knowing that he's raping and saying things like that, I can envision it in my head. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost like it's happening to me because I... Let's play a fun game of fortunately, unfortunately. Fortunately, I have an, an amazing imagination which makes me a very gifted writer Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have noticed that from a young age I was in creative writing I was in the young writers association I actually thought about being an author I used to write short stories all the time unfortunately because (laughs) my imagination is bomb.com I can fucking visualize things and like it's almost like I feel them as it's happening when I read the words yep yep not fun when you're reading the final truth not at all. By Pee Wee Gaskins himself. He himself. As himself. told by Wilton Earl. But before we get, we move on. 
Go get some of our merch. You should go get some merch. It's colormedeadpod.threadless.com. I went in and fixed... I realized that I hadn't fixed all of the designs, and some of them were, like, showing that it would print in the middle of the shirt, and I went and fixed them all. So it should be all updated. God bless Nikki for diving in feet first to one of the grossest books ever, and especially because she's my delicate little flower. And I know that she can, I'm not even going to use that phrase. I know that she can handle a lot, but this was a lot. It was. and I was going to say take a licking and keep on ticking, but. No, don't say that. <laughs> don't, I don't ever want to hear the word lick Oh, again. and also, wait, before we, no, really, before we get into this, let me say thank you to LeGras Creations because I got this badass Slytherin mug with my name on it, customized for me. I have one too with my name. We'll post pictures. They are so awesome. Um, We also got these great bracelets from Karen Jorgensen. It says, hi, hope you enjoy. Love your show. Y'all are badass. No, bitch, you're badass. I know these are the best bracelets in the fucking world, which we will post pictures of those too. She got us these really groovy bracelets. And she even sent a gift receipt, like, I'm going to do something besides wear the shit out of this. I know. I put mine on, like, immediately. I know. So it, that's the first thing I did. I'm, like, putting this on. <laughs> I <laughs> walked out of the really, post office. I was like, yes. <laughs> these really great silver bracelets that have an arrow on the out, like, arrows on the outside. but on, And they're just plain. They're plain silver, which is right up my Perfect. alley because I don't like... A lot of I don't wear a lot of jewelry first and foremost, and neither does Nikki. No. But when I do, it's usually a special occasion. But in general, if I do wear jewelry, it's pretty simple, and that's why I like this bracelet. But on the inside is a nice little inspirational message: Keep fucking going. Keep fucking going. <laughs> I if love ever it. there was something amazing on a bracelet, and and I and I love that it's on the inside. So I can right. still be a vulgar little douchebag while wearing it, and nobody knows. But you know, every time you look at it, like, this bracelet says the fuck word on it. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Again, thank you guys for when you send us things, because it always seems like they get yanked out of the P.O. box when we're having butthole days. You yep. piece of asshole day. Yep. piece of asshole, which what happened when those came that day, it was a piece of asshole day. Mm-hmm. And I was mailing off all of the Patreon shit and I went and checked the mail and I was like, well, fuck yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much to LeGras Creations. Thank you very much to Karen Jorgensen because these bracelets are amazing and it was very much what I needed and it was very much what Nick needed. Oh, for fucking real. These are, these are great, dude. And I'm, I'm actually just going to wear mine until it like falls off, falls off. Yeah, at least we know we can replace them from Amazon because oh, they yeah, were gifted you... from Amazon. So yeah, right. I'm like, now I know where you got it. <laughs> yeah, so when they fall off Yay. because we wore them too much, we can get a new one. All right, here's how this episode is going to work. We already told his basic life story off of the book that's more of a, a factual book, in right. my opinion. And so we're going to go back and touch on a few gray areas because in that book, it le- it would just leave shit out. Like, it would just be like, oh, I don't know this. I'm going to skip over it. It was like, <laughs> well, I don't really know okay. what happened over here. But, but here's what happened in yeah. 1970. It's like if one of my kids told you a story and you wanted oh, right. it for, in chronological order. Like, it's not, <laughs> Sorry. This is how it's going to happen. Um, so we'll eventually do a kill count. And give gory-ass details to the murders, which will be in the next part. And yes, there are many parts. 
because this is a lot to read and do at once. And because I have sick kids. <laughs> but excuses are like assholes. This, the book is awful. And I cannot stress how horrible it is. He talks about how he molested and raped people. And it's not anything that I ever wanted to hear or get a mental picture of. Because like I said before, like I've read plenty of people getting raped and molested. Not the way that fucking Pee Wee Gaskins words it. The words are so violating that I feel like I need to go, like, get a chastity belt or I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. Ugh. Anyway, consider this your extra disclaimer. It's not just blood and guts. It's blood, guts, rape, torture, and much more. That's not as bad in this episode. The next episode is going to be fucking filthy. Fucking filthy. As in filthy fucking. Oh, God. Like, I have to ramp myself up every time I'm going to read this book because I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is he going to fucking torture with me? Torture me with now. Um, the first thing... Okay, so what I'm going to do... Yeah, I already said that. The first thing I found that was different was in the first episode I said he was the youngest in a string of illegitimate children. Not true. He's the oldest. And he said he had two half-sisters and two half-brothers that were all born after he went to school. So they were quite a bit younger than he was. I was unclear of how he got the name Donald Henry Gaskins Jr. Because they kept saying that he was um, Parrot. His last name was Parrot because of his mom. And the junior part threw me off. However, he said his whole family's name was Parrot except for his stepdaddies. Like we said before, he didn't know his real name until he was sentenced to reform school. That's when he asked his mom where his dad was and what his name was. She told him that he had her name because she never married his daddy and that it was <laughs> that his name as written in the Bible, those were finger quotes, Oh boy, was Donald Henry Gaskins Jr. As writ in the Bible. As writ. As writ. There's a lot of quotes in these episodes because it's too bad people can't see every time we finger quote. I guess when she, I guess she had been lying to everyone until now. So when she told the truth to the judge, he asked her if she was sure. She said she was sure because she was 15 when she had him and that Donald Henry Gaskin Sr. was the only one that did it to her. Finger quote, did it to her before she got pregnant. And that he even paid child support until she married his stepdad. She told him that the child support was basically hush money. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't support. It was like, don't fucking tell people this is my kid. Here's money. I know somebody in real life like that. True story, bro. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody I had kids with fact. Just kidding. (sighs) Well, damn. Try again. Oh, you can't. I'm doing just fine. I'm doing good. Let's jump to when he had his little gang. They used to go... They used to go to an old and a, a to an old old empty house to do what they did. This is one this is what he said about what they did. We sat around, smoked cigarettes, we stole, bragged how bragged at how about how much we knew about girls, and we watched the older boys and learned how to jerk off or cornhole or fuck a sheep or a goat or a chicken. Like you do. Like you do. Don't all kids do that? The fact mm. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. We learned how to jerk off or to cornhole. Yo. 
you learned how to anally rape each other. Mm-hmm. All right. Or a sheep, or a goat, or a chicken. I'm telling you, this book, fuck. Like, so actually there's an episode on a show called Taboo, and I want to say this is in South America that they, they filmed and they, like, focused, that down in these rural and not-so-rural areas of South America where the boys often are sexually active for their first time and continue to be so for quite a stretch with animals, including chickens. And I was always like, how are you going to fuck a chicken? Where they uh, lay their egg? Right. Well, apparently that is not exclusive to South America. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know the story. So in case you guys don't know what cornholing is, it's not a game you play in the backyard. Well, I guess if you're a Mormon and you live in Utah, you know what cornholing is. It involves bean bags. Well, I guess if you call your butthole a backyard, then it is because it's fucking each other in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yay. He then talks about an ass beating they got for hiding it in for they got for hiding in a trench by the church outhouse so that they could watch women take off their panties. Why would you want to watch somebody take a piss or a shit? That's what I'm wondering. Like, I don't know, but this is not an uncommon thing. There are lots mm-hmm. of voyeuristic peeping toms that love to sit into bathrooms, place cameras in there, and for whatever reason, which I I cannot imagine that watching a person drop a deuce is a sexual experience. Nope. Not for most people anyways. But the fact that you're in a trench, God forbid, that that be a runoff for that outhouse where you're sitting, watching the ladies take their panties off. He said that three stepdaddies, four mamas, including his, a preacher and a deacon caught them and tore our ass to ribbons. Mm-hmm. This was the time that he talked about how the girls had what boys wanted and wouldn't let them have it or even look at it. Finger quote, much less fuck it. Yeah, we talked about that in the last episode a little bit because mm-hmm. he was all butthurt because he used to get pissed off. They'd show their butts to us. And... Well, I'm sure. Well, it was like, I can't remember what book it was that I read that like in the 40s, little girls used to like flip up their skirts mm-hmm. and like shake their cooters at the boys and then run and go tell when the boys tried to like get a good gander. Yep, and this is this is I'm not like, that time. This sweetheart, is don't do that. That's d- not nice. You nobody sees your swimsuit potty places. No. Oh my god. What I found out, what I found to be pretty interesting, is that he said his childhood wasn't that bad and that he wasn't that abused. I wonder what he considered abuse in the 30s and 40s, because I know that not even in the 80s, it was pretty normal to get your ass whipped on a daily basis, and it really wasn't considered abuse. Well, the fact that they regularly thumped the ever-loving shit out of their kids in the 30s and 40s, like, and the fact that you were still able to take a lick in in private, well, not private school, but public school, like from uh, an educator, something tells me that his version of what's not that bad and what is an abuse leaves a lot to be desired yeah we're first going to get into the disturbing confession remember his friend's sister that they raped well here's how that story goes according to peewee the three boys had saved up enough money to buy a truck apparently they drove to charleston and columbia to military bases to fuck the whores but they got sick of that and they wanted what he calls a young virgin he was sick of those wallered out military whores like whatever and remember that they're like 11 okay they're not that old no they were they were 11 12 and 13 weren't they yeah 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 right around there 
They thought jacking off at the hideout was just as good as fucking the horse. His friend Marsh thought that it was better. But he liked cornholing young boys and letting them do that to him, and he liked sucking dicks. So Marsh was into into dicks, apparently. Well, okay, I, I would... I would be willing to bet that young Marsh was probably homosexual. Mm -hmm. If he enjoyed the receiving as well as doing it and then performing oral copulation, that leads me to believe that he's a homosexual. Yes. Pee-wee and Danny weren't as into that as Marsh was. Pee-wee said that because Marsh was their friend, they would let him suck them off sometimes if he asked. Because why not, dude? We're buddies. Oh, friend, you want to suck my dick? All right. I guess. I just can't wrap my head around this, this whole thing. It feels very weird to me. So if there are if there are a grundle fuck of dudes out there that want to correct me and tell me, no, nah, man, this is like normal everyday behavior when you're running around with your pals, please let me know. Because at this particular juncture, these kids are fucked off. Like, Angel, I know you like to lick the vagina, so if you feel like licking mine, I'm going to say yes because I'm going to let you friend. do it because, you know, you're my friend. Dude, it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, and, like, I fully get the, like, I'll, uh, I'll show you mine if I get to see yours. Or, like, you know, when it, like, when little kids start... Or especially when we were growing up and your friend had more boob than you. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. My best friend, Becca... Had more boob than me at 12. Like, she was stacked out. And I was like, let me see your boobs. And I don't have those. The first, I did not. I was flat chested until, I was pretty flat chested, I think, until I was in my 20s. And then out of nowhere, I went to a D cup. And I was like, Jesus, fuck, where'd that come from? There they are. Oh, late bloomer. Well, Becca had, like, very full C cup titties at 12. Yes. Very perky, big boobs with teeny little perfect pink nipples. That's not what mine look like. No. And so I was really like, how many different kinds of boobs are there? And so like, I get that. You know what I mean? Like when you're checking out each other. Right. At, at You know what I mean? But to be like, well, I suppose if you want to fuck me in the butt, all right, I'll get you next time. What? No. No. I'm sorry. Bend over. <laughs> I don't want to. No. It just is weird to me. Like, I don't. Anyway, one day they got the bright idea to take Marsha's sister because she was a young virgin. They told her mom, who was a single mom, and they went off about how she was like, she was like an Augustagine. Like, she didn't listen to her stepdaddies. None of the stepdaddies. They didn't make the rules. Mama made the rules. Like, just an overbearing, hard-ass woman. But anyway, they told her that they were going to take the sister to the movie. But instead, they took her to the hideout. This is where it gets awful. Yep. Fucking awful. Okay, just remember that 90% of this, even if we don't say it, this are, like, direct quotes from Pee Wee. Yeah, I'll let you know when it's a direct quote because I'm not saying this shit. (laughs) He said that they held her down and took her clothes off. They smelled her and, quote, tasted her cracks and sucked her tiny little titties and made her suck our dicks. Then we fucked her and cornholed her. We each come I don't know how many times, and it was like we couldn't get enough. <sighs> Ugh. Mm-hmm. He said that even though they didn't hit her, she was still crying and begging them to stop. But they didn't because it felt too good. 
Once they finished, she stopped crying and they got her all cleaned up and she promised not to tell anybody. They took her out for burgers and she didn't eat. She only ate, drank her orange crush. And the way that he says this in the book is like, I don't understand why she was crying. We didn't hit her. Maybe it's because, <clears throat> and I'm not because I'm trying to like negate or lessen the blow of Pee Wee and his friend's actions, but maybe it's because they took turns doing that to each other and they didn't cry. They weren't doing it to be like in their minds. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was just sex. Like it was just getting off. Right. And it felt good to them. So why is it not feeling good to her? Well, and I can't imagine, I don't think being, um, I don't think having sex anally feels good to anybody. Like in the beginning. Do you know no. what I mean? Like, I, I I wholeheartedly disagree with anybody that's like, oh, I loved anal sex on my first go around. No, you fucking didn't. Don't lie. Um, so I, and I really don't know if perhaps the friends that were penetrating Pee Wee up until reform school were smaller and therefore it wasn't as painful. Well, they were like 11. So I know. So you, you have, ladies. yeah, you have to imagine that it's not as painful as like perhaps a grown man penetrating you anally, but maybe it's because they like what they were doing with each other to each other was okay that when they did it to her and she's crying and she's mentally, emotionally and physically fucking scarred from it. They're like, I don't get it. What's wrong? Why are you crying? Yeah, and I don't, yeah, I don't think that they took into consideration that this was emotionally scarring. Whether or not it physically hurt her, it was emotionally horrifying. Right. Um, yeah, and he was like, he was baffled that she wouldn't eat. Like, I don't know why she wouldn't eat. She just drank her, her pop. Anyway, or soda, if you're from the South. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they had all gone home, and Pee Wee's family was sitting on the porch when Marsha's mom came screaming in. Apparently, the girl told her mother. Marsha's mom beat on him and had him on the ground and kicked him in the gut while yelling and screaming at him. They drug him to the barn and strung him up. <laughs> they strung him and Marsha up by their feet. The moms and stepdaddies were just beating the shit out of him while they're strung upside down. They beat them with a pine slat until they bled. Ooh. I think I forgot to mention that they made them strip naked before this. Yeah, they too. were completely nude. Pee-wee's stepdaddy then started beating him with a belt. He said he was just about to pass out from pain when he heard Masha's mom yell, quote, You goddamn little piece of shit, I ought to cut it off right here and right now. And oh yes, you guessed it. He had a boner. Raging stiffy. Mm-hmm. She took the belt from his stepdad and beat him right in the dick and balls, like repeatedly. Good. Which says a lot for his weird fetish shit later mm. on in life. We questioned why they didn't tell the police in the first episode, and it was because Marsha's mom didn't want to ruin the girl's reputation. They wanted to keep it quiet so that she wasn't, like, the tainted, dirty girl for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. Why didn't Danny get beaten, you ask? Well, Danny told his dad when he got home that he fucked Marsha's sister and that he was afraid that she would tell her mom that it was rape. When Marsha's mom and stepdad showed up to their house, they left shortly after, and Danny's dad was sitting on the porch with a shotgun. Danny's dad was the kind of dad that, like, he was the one that they kind of went to 
when they were doing bad shit and they would tell them right. part of the story. Like, as you could tell, but like they would save their money from the shit that they stole and sold. And they would keep it at their house. And Danny's dad kept it safe for him. That's how they bought that truck. Is right. You know, so that's just to get an idea of what Danny's dad was like. Right. Danny and his dad moved away a few years later. Marsh used the money from the trouble trio that they kept at Danny's house and got on a bus and never came back. Pee-wee tried to get his repair business going. He didn't have too many friends, but still spent a lot of time at the hideout. I think that he was working at a gas station at the time. I'm not sure. It, it, he would talk about it like you knew what he was doing. But it, yeah, that's yeah. what I gathered is that he was working at a gas station. Well, this is where he met a Navy man named Walt. They quickly became friends and came up with a plan to rob houses and then sell the stuff that they had stolen in Charleston where Walt lived. Walt picked him up every other Saturday and they would go rob houses that Pee Wee had picked. He picked a house that was by his mom's house because he knew that they would be gone to a funeral. When they broke into the house, he found... Well, they went to go break into the house, mm-hmm. and they found that the door was unlocked. He was happy because he thought this would be easy, but then he saw a girl that he knew standing in the kitchen with a hatchet in her hand. Hmm. She asked him what he was doing there, and he turned around to run, and she followed him out. Well, Pee-wee tripped and fell, and she caught up to him and swung at him. He grabbed her by the arm and took the hatchet and then hit her twice on the arms. He used the blunt side to hit her in the head, and she drops. He hit her a few more times in the back. He had heard someone come out, excuse me, of the back door, so he takes off, runs like hell. He hears a gunshot, and then the pepper from a shotgun hit the trees around him. (laughs) That'll make your butthole pucker. Fucking A, you ever been hit with good bird shot? No, I don't want to. Once he got down the road, he saw Walt half a mile down the road. This was supposed to be his getaway car, but getaway car, uh... Was like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm out. You got into too much trouble here. You're on your own, fucker. Well, this house wasn't very far from his mom's house, so he just ran there. As you know from before, the little girl lived. But uh, it, before, it said that she lived and was able to identify him. It wasn't her. It was her aunt that identified him because she was the one that shot at him. Um, this is when he got sentenced to the state reformatory until he was 18. He went into a lot more detail about the gang rapings in the reformatory school, which are fucking awful. Fuck, fuck, fuck. He said the big man on campus was named Poss. He was over six feet tall and about 200 pounds. He said the first night Poss told him to come to his bed. Pee Wee said that in the rule book it said they would get in trouble if they had, quote, unnatural sex. So he didn't go to Poss's bed and Poss didn't come to his. The next day, nothing happened, so he thought that he was okay. However, that night, in the shower, he was held down and gang-raped by about 20 boys. Not just in the ass. Like, they put him, spread eagle, down on his face. One, like, you know, one person holding each limb. And one was doing him in the ass, and one was doing him in the mouth. Like, he would say that as soon as somebody came in his mouth, he'd swallow it. And somebody else would put their dick in his mouth. I'm about to puke. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ugh. Okay, all right. Yeah. After that, Poss told him that if... Uh, Poss told him that if he didn't want... Sorry. I'm all flustered now because that just... Do it, well, I mean, when you stop and think about how horrific that is... 20 guys for an hour. Yeah, dude. Well, and it, he didn't even know if it was 20 guys. It was at least 20 times rotating around for an hour yeah about 20 boys 
For an hour. For one hour. No, thank you. After that, Poss told him that if he didn't want, if he didn't do what he was supposed to, he would continue getting gang raped. And Pee Wee said that he was in so much pain after that, he had never felt anything like it before. He had to be carried off to his bunk afterwards. Mm -hmm. He knew that just, he knew that just doing what Poss said was his best option. If he reported it, he would be put in solitary at night to keep him safe. And those cells were dark, wet, and had a bucket for a shitter, so he just chose to sexually please Poss whenever he wanted. Poss apparently liked to suck. This is, oh, I hate this. Poss liked to suck, so after Pee Wee came in his mouth, he wouldn't last more than a minute in his ass. And he was like, I can handle that. I just suck him off and then it's only a minute, you know. And, like, the way that he just down, like, the way that he so matter-of-factly says everything about what happened is like, God damn, dude. No wonder he was so desensitized towards the end, like, Well, how, why, at such a young age, to have experienced that kind of Mm -hmm. sexual abuse, why, why would anything else bother you? Right. You know? Um, when they weren't doing that, though, they were buddies. Poss liked his stories about the Trouble Trio. He became Poss's right-hand man. He even shared, uh, the newcomers with him. Yay. Well, that's nice, because, you know, sharing is caring. He liked Pee-wee because his dick was so tiny that it made possums look huge. They called him Big Boss Poss because of his gigantic dick. Poss traded him off to other leaders for cigarettes or other workers because he was so little. And so those other the other <coughs> bosses could do whatever they wanted with him, so he still got raped pretty often by the other bosses. He said he would have liked it there if it weren't for their pecker order trading. That's what he called it. But he was over it, and this is when he started escaping. Ew! Yes. There's just... Mm. Okay. He said it was more like running away than escaping because they didn't have much security. They locked the doors at night, and that was pretty much it. He found some... He found some of the other little guys that were always being traded around and made a plan to leave on a Sunday because Sunday was visiting day. He had been there for about a year. He said that his mom would come to see him when his asshole stepdaddy would drive her there. She would bring him lots of food and goodies, but she only stayed for an hour because that is when asshole stepdaddy would start blasting his horn because he stayed in the truck. Mm -hmm. He stayed in the, he stayed in their vehicle while she went in to visit. He never came in. One Sunday after she left, so did he. They took a knife from the kitchen because they said that they wouldn't return alive. The next day, him and his buddies got cornered by the deputies. They were put in the back of a dump truck and they were being hauled back to the reformatory when Pee Wee jumped out of the back of the truck and ran to the hideout. (laughs) He was like, what were they going to do, shoot me? He's like, they didn't. He's like, I didn't think they would. And they didn't. I'd run too. Fuck yeah. You're out of your mind if you think I'm going somewhere where I'm going to be repeatedly abused like that. Mm. Dude, like, I have never been, to my knowledge, (laughs) I have never been raped slash sexually assaulted. Okay, like once. Sort of. That's a whole nother ballgame. But, like. Held down in gang raped. No, never. By 20 people for an hour. No, never. Um, that shit just like, so the thought of having to return to a place where you were regularly abused like that. No, sir. No, thank you. 
He was sleeping in there when he got a kick in the back. It was the sheriff. He knew about the hideout, and he figured that Pee-wee was there. He told Pee-wee to get undressed so he could search him, and when he did, the knife fell out of his pocket. So the sheriff, of course, pulled his gun on him, like you do. Mm-hmm. He told Pee-wee... Pee-wee. He told Pee-wee that he could shoot him and claim that he had attacked him and that nobody would know the difference. He took the knife, put away his gun, and told Pee-wee that he, <clears throat> that he just had to scare him. He even took him to his house for lunch before they returned to the reformatory. Can you imagine that cop was probably like, I should have fucking shot him. I wish I would have just shot him. It could have saved so many people. But I bet he Pee-wee know. wishes that too. I bet he does too. Well, Did. he says that a few times. Yeah, see? When he returned, he got 30 stroppings and three months of hard labor isolation. That was 30. 30 lashes. But it was daily. It was daily. Like, it wasn't one and done. No, I thought it was like, you get this this one time, and then you have three months of hard labor. But hard labor is also in solitary. They're like digging trenches and Oh, shit. yeah. Like, picking rocks. Breaking rocks. No, no. 30 straps. Daily. After you've worked hard all day and before you get in the shower, then you can go get your ass whipped and then you can could shower. You, like, could you? Could you no. imagine? Having your skin repeatedly lashed on a daily basis, like bruises upon bruises upon bruises. For three months. For three months. Mm-mm. Well, when his three months were up, he returned to Paws, who was happy to see him, I'm sure, but upset that he didn't tell him about his plans to run away. He was nice to him, but soon started to trade him off again to the other boss boys. Pee-wee couldn't take it and escaped with another boy, this time for six days until the bloodhounds brought him back. He was sentenced to 50 stroppings daily and four months hard labor. Dude, you can't outrun a goddamn bloodhound. You can't. Paws ended up getting released, and this is when the new boss boy took over, and he's the one that we talked about before that liked the gang rapes with Pee-wee on the bottom. Like, before it said that it was one of the old boss boy's little minions, but it wasn't. It was a new boss boy that took over. And this is when escape number three happened. But this time he left alone. He went to his aunt's house. Uh-huh. He went to his aunt's house about <laughs> seven times. <laughs> he went to his aunt's house outside of Williamsburg, and she let him stay there for several months in return for chores. One day his aunt went to town and returned with another distant relative who was a police officer. Bummer. They asked him about the reformatory, and the relative said that he would be better off if he went back voluntarily. The relative talked to the superintendent and worked out a deal for him. The deal was no lashings and only 30 days in hard labor isolation. He's still getting... Getting... Even though though they had that deal, he still ended up getting written up every day and got 20 lashes every night because the guards were like, oh, yeah, fuck (laughs) you. Oh? You looked at me sideways, 20 lashes. He got bad cuts on his legs and back from the belt and complained to the night officer who didn't feel bad for him. He wrote him up and gave him 10 more stroppings and Pee Wee lost his shit. He was like, dude, fuck you. Like you you would. Like Like you you do. do. He hit the officer in the stomach, kicked him in the balls, and then kicked him in the face. He yelled for the other officers and told them the officer, yeah, told them the officer had attacked him. He was taken to the superintendent's office where he was informed that he would be taken to a mental hospital to be evaluated for attacking with no reason. 
Yeah, none whatsoever. None at all. Mm-hmm. He'd been in the okay. mental hospital for about five weeks in solitary confinement when he was taken to see a psychiatrist. He said that at the mental hospital, he's like, the cells were just like the ones there, but the walls were white. That was basically the only difference. Yeah, it's pretty, I would, I would say that's pretty accurate. The psychiatrist asked him if he believed in God. He asked him if God spoke to him. Pee-wee said no. Um, he said he believed in God, but he said that God didn't speak to him. He said, well, there has to be a God because there's all these people doing God's work and, you know, went off and about that. But then when he said, he asked if God spoke to him, he was like, no. Um, he asked if God or any other voice spoke to him and told him to attack the girl with the hatchet. And this is when he said, quote, hell no, God didn't have nothing to do with it. That bitch came at me with a hatchet and I took it away from her and hit her with it to keep her from hitting me with it. And that's all there was. That's all there were to that. That's all there were. Yep. <laughs> okay, Pee-wee. He asked Pee-wee about his childhood and Pee-wee decided that it was none of his business. He asked Pee-wee why he kept escaping. And he told him he he told him about the stropping and the trenches and all the hard labor. He said that he knew about that. The psychiatrist was like, "Yes, I know about all of that, but it's necessary for the discipline." Then he said that they would talk about it more at his next appointment. But there was no next appointment because the next day his appendix suddenly burst and he had to have emergency surgery. That's a rough go. He's like, it felt like my balls were in a vice. <laughs> I don't, I've had like, uh, like a, what do they call it? Like mild appendicitis before. Not, not even to a point that it needed to be removed. It was more like, ah, we need to keep an eye on that because, you know, if shit goes south, that's going to have to be yanked out. But <clears throat> that hurt. It seems like it's pretty brutal, especially to have it burst. But Ronnie, my brother had his appendix out and they were yanking his out when it burst. Oh fuck. You can die from that shit. Yeah, like the can. infection and whatever. Well, when he got better, he was sent back to the reformatory. He thinks that his paperwork got messed up and that's why he didn't go back to the mental hospital. He was in isolation on light duty for three months. One of the night officers threatened him for what he did to the off the other officer, so Pee Wee made a run for it. He went to his some Excuse me. He went to some Sumter this time. Back when Poss was still there, he told him that he stayed there with his uncle who put together a crew for the carnival and that they would hire pretty much anyone. He soon found Poss and his uncle. They gave him a job. It was a little hard on him because of his appendix and he got a hernia so they moved him to the night wagon watch. They traveled all over Georgia and North Carolina and he said it was his first growed up freedom. Growed up freedom. Growed up freedoms. Mm-hmm. Preach. Said the kerosene king. <laughs> South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas. South. <laughs> it was 1950 so he was only still, what, 17? And he could technically go back to the reform school if he was found. He hung out at Poss's uncle's house and laid low. During this time, he met Mary. She was 13 and a half years old. She was real grown up. Well, I mean... Back then, I think they married quite young. Yes. He said... He he said she was the prettiest thing he'd ever seen. He said, when I was around her, I felt like a combination of a lamb who couldn't bleat and a rhino... With a four-foot heart on. 
Do rhinos get four foot hard odds? I tell us, Pee Wee. I'm pretty sure I can YouTube it and find out for sure. No thanks. Like I've seen some shit on Discovery. I'm not sure they're four feet, <laughs> but the lamb that couldn't bleat. <laughs> oh my god, and a four foot hard on. All right. He asked her to marry him, and she said she didn't want to marry a boy who had the law after him, and she said she didn't want to follow around the carnival. Well, All right. you fucking persnickety overachiever. Yeah, hoity toity bitch. <laughs> I can't imagine why not. <laughs> it was good enough for my family. <laughs> right? The fucking carnies. Oh my God. <laughs> Get away. Spencer, that was like his favorite thing when my aunt was like telling me. All this stuff that she had found through the Heritage website. I don't even know which one she used. MyAncestry.com or whatever freaking thing. And she's like, well, just so you know, our people came from France. And I'm like, yeah, I know. With the carnival. Please stop talking. And Spencer's like, this is the best day of my life. (laughs) And she starts going off about the history of my people with the carnival. And how they were like kidnappers and shit. And so after that, Spencer was like... That's where you get those tiny hands, you fucking carny. <laughs> your tiny little carny hands. And I'm like, God Shut damn up. it. But will you pay $5 to look at them? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Whew. On January 22nd, 1951, they did get married. They spent one night together, and then he turned himself in to Officer Clinton Gaskins, one of his dad's relatives, who took him back to the reform school. He didn't get any lashes. He was sentenced to only 24 hours isolation for the remaining three months of his sentence. Mary came to see him every Sunday. She brought him books, magazines, and newspapers. Aww. I wonder how he coerced her into that. I don't know. With Poss and his big swinging dick. Yeah, yeah. Teeny peewee. With his little peewee. <laughs> Ew. God, sorry, that was filthy. Ew. He said he was feeling good. He was happy because he was so happy he wanted to start fucking with the guards a little bit. Well, don't when do it, he, don't do it. <laughs> when he was on the night watch at the carnival, he started messing with locks and figured out how they worked. He said he was no locksmith by any means, but he knew how to pick a lock. One night after he was locked up in solitary, he picked his lock. Good thinking. When the guards came to check, he was either in the showers or sitting in the hall outside his cell. They would put him back, and when when they came back, he was sitting in the hall again. And then he started letting all the other prisoners out, too, and they would just, like, sit out in the hall and shoot the shit. So the guards kept coming back. They were like, what the fuck is going on? And the guards um, would come back, put them all back away, and they would say, how did you get out? And they would say what Pee-wee told them to say, which was, Pee-wee let me out. The superintendent finally took him to his office. He offered him a deal of no more solitary for the last three weeks if he agreed to stop and tell them, or if he agreed to stop picking his locks and tell them how he did it. He kept his word on all of that, but he didn't let him out until three weeks after he was supposed to get out. So he kept him a little longer than... 18 than when he turned 18 when he was released mary his mom and his stepdaddy picked him up he was finally free he intended to stay this way intended (laughs) there was an attempt there was an intention it was a good intention and it did not stick 
He was finally trying to make an honest living. At this time, it consisted of odd construction jobs. He wanted to be a mechanic, but there wasn't a need for them because he said it seemed like all the army men knew how or learned how to mechanic. So it really wasn't an option because they were like everywhere. Everybody knew how to fucking fix everything. He was struggling to provide provide for him and his wife. And on top of that, Mary was now pregnant. Oh, good. We finally found out where the fucking baby came from. The baby. The baby. They ended up moving to Georgetown with some of her family. And he was he went to work for some guys that had a government contract to log Cypress in the swamps by Myrtle Beach. He wasn't super fond of the work because he was ass deep in swamp water. But he loved the pay. He would go hang out with the good old boys at the honky-tonk on the weekends. And, however, like, he was, like, living life. He's like, look at this money, and I'm drinking the beer on the weekends. What he didn't know was that the contract was only for a few weeks. And he got his last paycheck until the job was over. They're like, oh, thanks. See you. Thanks. And he's like, what the fuck, man? Pee-wee and Mary moved back to Florence. He was working a part-time construction... He was working part-time construction jobs when he ran into a dude he recognized from reform school. They called him Slick Duck. They called him this because he slicked the front of his hair back and fluffed the back like a duck's ass. He told them... Excuse me? He told him he could get him a job in the tobacco fields. Pee-wee told him that he had a lot of experience in the tobacco fields and he wasn't interested in all that hard work with that little pay. Slick Duck said something that made him realize there was more to it than just tobacco farming. Part of the deal with the job was that he got a house to live in for free. He started out farming and then once Slick Duck figured out that he did in fact know as much about cars as he said he did... He was out doing more work on the trucks and shit around the farm. Him and Mary were both working in the tobacco farm and brought in about $30 a week. But Slick started taking Pee-wee at night sometimes to go and burn barns. The first time that Slick took Pee-wee, he gave him $300 cash on the way home. Pee-wee didn't ask questions and gave the money to Mary when he got home and told her it was a bonus for their hard work. She eventually figured it out, though, because he had been gone all night. She would hear on the news that there was another fire. He ended up stashing 2000 over a few months, which is a... Dude, that's not just a lot of money back then. That is a grundle fuck of savings. For real, because if... Yeah. Dude, $2,000 is a lot of money now. No shit. To I mean, me, just, right now, like... <laughs> I know. If I had $2,000 saved up, I'd be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> this is the best day of my life. Um... It was a shit ton more than his $15... A week that he was making. He burned another building in town that made him another thousand dollars. The reason that he was making so much money is that the tobacco was federally certified. So the federal government had to insure the tobacco that was in the barn. However, the tobacco wasn't actually in the barn. The farmers had taken it out and sold it in an auction across state lines. Pee-wee's daughter was born April 17th, 1952. Sadly, the only reason he mentioned that is because he was talking about the truck he bought the week before she was born. With the money from all the burnings. Well, and it's not like he was like, and this precious little jewel, the apple of my eye. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, no. I went back and read through it like 15 times trying to find, nope. like, did I miss it? No. <laughs> That's all he said was, I bought my first truck. A week before my daughter was born. So I think that's the day she was born. I don't know if that's a truck purchase date or if that is the <laughs> like, daughter's could, I, I don't know. But. 
He went on about how him and Slick Duck used to go to the bars, drink, and get rowdy. He said he got a tattoo that said Pee-wee on his shoulder behind the bar and that two girls went with him to watch. He said the girls got all slimy and couldn't wait to go to their room with them. Ew. Why would you say slimy? He has ruined sex for me. I think I am celibate. They got all slimy? Slimy. And then his friend, he was talking about how Slick Duck would say, tattoos make girls slimy. I was like, oh God, they do, but don't say it like that. <laughs> Stop it. I'm never going to admit it now. God. Ew, 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 ew. Now, this has ruined all sex for me. Like, I am literally celibate forever. Literally? Literally. Literally. Well... Slick ended up killing his ex-wife and her new f- her new husband right in front of their kids. So that was the end of the barn burning time for him. In the other book, it said that a girl came up to him while he was burning a barn and asked him, barn and asked him what he was doing. His version is a little bit different. He said he was working in the barn at the tobacco farm that he was working in, doing tobacco things. And these two smart-ass girls walked in. He said they were telling him that they knew he was the one that burned the barns and that the owner of the farm was waiting until the end of the season to have him arrested so that they didn't have to pay him. Because when Slick left, the contract changed and he didn't get paid weekly. That he got paid at the end of the season instead. So, um, she told him... That she was going to tell her daddy that he tried to rape her. Then she spit at him and said, oh no, she said that she should tell her daddy that he tried to rape her. Then she spit at him and said, quote, but you ain't worth the trouble, Pee Wee. You ain't even good enough to kiss my ass. And this triggered little Pee Wee because he hit her behind the right ear with his ball peen hammer. That's the one that he already had in his hand that he was using. He hit her on the top of the head with the hammer after that when she fell. Oh, after that. And when she fell, he kicked her in the face. In the face. In the face. (laughs) He said, I kicked her in the face just for good measure. Sorry. As soon as you said it like that, I knew exactly what you meant. In the the face. face. (laughs) Yep. You got it. Keep going. I of the tiger. <laughs> That's the hangover. Anyone wondering what we're referencing? Yes. He took off running. <coughs> after he had, after all this happened, he took off running. He said that he felt bad for not telling Mary he, where he was going, but he, he knew that she knew where he kept a cash so her and the baby wouldn't starve. He knew that she knew that the baby knew. I was really trying to, like... Save myself from a fumble that I made. And it it just turned into more fumble. But you know what I was trying to say. He hid in the Johnsonville American Legion hut. And lived off the vending machine food. Until he got a cabin fever. He set it on fire. This was like for two days. He made it for two whole days and then got a cabin fever. Well done. Yes. He set it on fire and left. He was hiding out in a deserted shack, and that's where the law found him two more days later. So I think this is like four days total. And get this. The reason that they found him is because they followed a trail of candy and gum wrappers (laughs) from the hut that he burned to the shack. Well done. 
Pee-wee, fucking put it in your pocket, bud. He was charged with attempted murder. He said they offered him a deal that would get him 18 months in jail and take it down to assault and battery, but when he got there, his attorney wasn't there, and he pled guilty thinking that it was to assault and battery for the 18 months, but the judge ordered him to five years in prison. When his lawyer got there, he asked him about the deal, and the lawyer was like, nope, I rejected it. You're going to prison. Pee-wee said, quote, Fuck you, you old son of a bitch. And for that, he was given another year for contempt. (laughs) He said he looked back at Mary and their baby, and they were both crying. I don't want to marry a man being chased by the law. No, or a carny. (laughs) I don't want to live that carny life. But we can go. Didn't really do much to stick in her guns, did she? No. In prison, he was assigned to a power man named Arthur. For six months, he did whatever Arthur wanted. This included some rough fucking. When he first got to his cell, he kicked him in the balls, beat the shit out of him, and then choked him while he raped him and made him lick him clean. He got traded around like he did in reform school, but it was so much worse. Like we said before, Hazel Brazell was the biggest power man there. Pee-wee asked Arthur why he didn't take out Hazel, and he laughed. Pee-wee told him he could kill him, and Arthur laughed and told him he couldn't kill a fly off a horse turd. <laughs> Over the next few weeks, he started taking Hazel's food. The fifth time, he, s- <clears throat> he saw that Hazel was on the shitter. He told Hazel's boy that Arthur wanted to talk to him and set up a meeting. He told Pee-wee to put the sandwich on the table. He did that, and then he pulled out a knife and cut Hazel's throat fast. He had the knife because he worked in the kitchen and he had stolen it from there. He watched Hazel bleed out and fall off the toilet and then waited on the cot while Hazel's boy got the guards. He was handcuffed and taken to solitary. Arthur? He just sat there like like talking about watching him bleed out. I was like, you fucking sicko. I would have too. Like if that's the person that is is responsible for a good portion of my... Pain? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to sit and watch you bleed to death. Yeah. And I'll do it with a smile on my face. For fucking real. He's like, oh, you want your sandwich? Here's your sandwich. Here's a knife to your fucking throat. Bye. I hope it was dull. Me too. Arthur and Pee Wee were charged with his murder because nobody believed that he did it on his own. (laughs) Arthur wasn't mad, though. He was happy because that put him in charge. Pee Wee was second and he had his own boy now. He... But he never hurt his boy. He always shared food and cigarettes with the ones that were traded to him. He was given nine years for the murder. Six were concurrent, so he only got three extra years, which he said was worth it, so he didn't get beaten and raped anymore. And Arthur only got, Arthur got like 15 years, but it was concurrent with what he was already serving, so it wasn't even a big deal. Hey, 15 years! Just kidding. You can just tack that on to the stuff you've already served. That's what they said. They're like, every, he said that everybody murders in prison because they're like, what are they going to do? I have a life sentence. What are they going to do? Give me another one? I, pretty much, dude. So they just <clears throat> keep killing each other. In 1953 and 1954, these were easy for him. But in the middle of 55, Mary divorced him. And this pretty well tore him apart. This is when he decided he needed to escape. Because he was now a power man, everyone was okay with helping him. He drilled holes in one of the barrels that go out in the garbage truck, and he left that way. He had never planned on going to look for Mary, and he was sure as shit not going to the hideout. So he stole a car from his cousin and drove to Lake Wells, Florida to catch up with the good old carnival. 
Yeah, when he said he was going to ex- escape, wow. When he said he was going to escape, I figured it would be to go find Mary. But he was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to leave her. Or I'm not going to bother her. I'll leave her alone, but I want the fuck out of here. <clears throat> when he got out, he found Poss again. He was married with three kids now. Pee-wee said Poss's wife bitched all the time, and she was so fucking annoying. Bitch and nag and bitch and nag. When Poss found out that Pee-wee was now a killer because he had murdered Hazel... He was excited to tell his wife, and she was a lot nicer to him after that. Like, hey, watch out. This guy's a murderer. Quit your fucking bitching. (laughs) I'm going to need you to shut your trap. (laughs) Finally, something got her to stop bitching. (laughs) Before he stabs us both in the neck meat. (laughs) He ended up uh, talking Poss into leaving his wife and family at home. Because his wife was like, I didn't want to follow a carnival either. And they went off and did the carnival work. And Poss just, like, sent money home. Uh, Pee-wee didn't love working for the carnival, but it was a good way for him to stay on the move so that he didn't get caught. <clears throat> One time, him and Poss took the stolen car. Because he's still rolling in the stolen car that he took, you know, when he got out. Um, he took the stolen car to go see Poss's wife and kids. And... <laughs> Fun fact, Poss's girlfriend that he now had was driving a truck and trailer to the next carnival set up. While they were there, Poss's wife introduced Pee-wee to a girl named Junie Allison Holden. Alice. Junie Alice Holden. She was 19 years old, and this is what he said about her. Quote, I don't know what got into me, but every time I was around that girl, my balls and pecker felt like a nest full of hornets was inside, buzzing around and stinging, trying to shoot out. Is that what love feels like? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. He said that the only way that she could relieve his condition was if he married her. So he sent Poss back to the carnival and ran off with Junie and got married. They were only married for two weeks. And this is when he ran out of money. He said, quote, All them hornets either died in their nest or had flew out my pee hole and drowned in her pussy. <laughs> like, the analogy, like, I don't understand. Where do you get that? I don't understand. It's just a way to say that most people would be like, no more chemistry. We fucked for two weeks and now it's done. There's nothing there anymore. But he says it better. (laughs) He knew it wasn't going to work, so he took her back home and went back to the carnival. This is when he met that contortionist, the contortionist. The The contortionista? He said that her name was Zena from Zanzibar. Oh, Jesus. But she told him that her real name was Helen McCoy, which really wasn't her real name either, but it was for right now. Surprise. Yeah. He didn't care, though. He said that he's he's like, I don't give a fuck what her name is, because she wraps her feet around her neck and walks on her hands. She said that she said she did that for him once while she was naked. And fucked him like that. He said he... Oh, he said she loved to fuck while she was all twisted up. He was going on about all their nasty contortionist sex and said that he never felt nothing like it. And she did things to him. And, yeah, a whole bunch of puke and gagger. No. Yeah. 
She told him she had to leave the carnival to go to see her brother in Tennessee. At this time, he finally found out that her for real name was Betty Jean Gates, but he didn't care. She was a contortionist. <laughs> <laughs> the story we told in the first episode follows this pretty accurately where they go to Tennessee. Um, she says it's her brother. You need to take him this money and these cigarettes. And when he came back, she was gone. And the brother was the husband and all that. If you, you know, if you remember correctly. Anyway, she talked him into going to the jail because she said she couldn't go into the jail because she was wanted for some crimes in Ho- in Ohio. In hey, Ho- Ohio. Hey, Ohio. <laughs> you know who lives in Ohio? Joe. Joe. Because he's a Ohio. Because he's a Ohio. <laughs> but, <clears throat> so she talked him into going by taking off her dress, putting her ankles behind her head and telling him he could do whatever he wanted. That talked him right into it. And he was like, oh, if, well, if you, well put, if you put it that way. Okay, then. <clears throat> Ohio. Mm-hmm. Pee-wee said the cigarette carton had a straight razor in it. And I think the other one said that there was a metal file. Well, he got arrested and taken to county jail where... He told them that he was David Gaskins. They believed him and told him that they wouldn't let him, that they would let him go after they got the paperwork processed. A few hours later, a deputy comes in and said, this is where they found his car and that they would release him and his car when they got it there. Shortly later, a sheriff comes in, knocked the shit out of him and told him that he didn't like being lied to. They figured out that he was actually Pee Wee and that he had lied about all of it anyway. What? They're like, we talked to Donald Gaskins, or not Donald, David. David. We called David Gaskins. Actually, one of these other sheriffs had coffee with him this morning, and he's not from Lake, whatever, Lake City, Florida, like you said. He's from Lake City, South Carolina. And how could he be locked up in jail and having coffee with someone? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You tell us, Pee Wee. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god <clears throat> fudge he ended up doing nine months in tennessee jail and then was sent back to the pen in south carolina he was put in max security he was still a power man by name there but he wasn't doing all the stuff he had done before because he wasn't in gen pop he said that this time that he started doing his serious reading <laughs> I love how when anything gets good, it's serious. Yeah, his serious, serious ki- his serious killing, his serious, serious reading. <clears throat> when it was a contortionista, it a was serious, serious fucking. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I did my serious fucking. Well, he learned that the, there were all kinds of things that he didn't know. What? What? Color me surprised. Mm-hmm. Because what I think Pee Wee actually knew about the world at all you could just about squeeze into the grand fucking canyon so uh. Mm. he said that he was never a good reader because it was so tedious but the more he did the easier it got good job paywee after sucking up to the guards long enough he was finally given a job in the kitchen stop giving him access to knives that's what i'm saying got what did you hard learners Mm. spencer you fucking hard learner what so they gave him a job in the ki- in the kitchen as a part-time second cook. Last time he had a job in the kitchen, he was stealing knives and killing other powermen. So, you know, this is a pretty ballsy move. 
Well, the FBI came in and charged him for interstate auto theft. He was taken to Richmond County Jail. Oh, excuse me. He was taken to Rich... You can tell where I lived when I was in Houston. He was taken to Richland County Jail and then sentenced to three years in Atlanta Federal Pen, which would run concurrent with his sentence in South Carolina. He would be released when his time was up. The Federal Pen was a different story. Everybody belonged to themselves. Nobody belonged to anybody else. Nobody talked to the guards unless they were supposed to. It was cleaner there. And there were eight peeper, eight peeper. There were eight people per cell and it was big. His job was laundry. And guess whose laundry he did? Frank Costello's. He pretended to sneak in clean, fancy sheets to Frank every day because he didn't like to sleep in the same sheets twice. Frank told him to sneak them in, but the guards already knew about it. Yeah, he said he had to pretend like he was sneaking in. um, I don't know. Does that make it better if you pretend that you're sneaking? Because Frank thought that it was, that the guards didn't know about it, but he said that it was part of, it's Frank fucking Costello, for the love of God. Pee-wee was cellmates with some of the Genovese family, and they told him all about life in New York, and how, how loyal they were to Frank. They followed him to prison to protect him, and that they would go to hell for him. I think they were all in there for conspiracy for five years or something because nothing could hold up for all their mapster stuff. <laughs> mab. You mab. have to say mab. The, the mabsters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a mob. It's a mab. Mab. <laughs> he said when the men were released, they gave him a hug because he said that's what Italians do. <laughs> and an address in New York. They told him that he should come and work with them. Since, they, since he had already, quote, made his bones, he was qualified. He said he enjoyed his time in Atlanta. Um, he said that was the straightest that he had ever been, but he was excited to get out. On August 6, 1961, he was released. He got a new suit and took a bus back to South Carolina. Um, he also said that one time he got a package and it there was a book. And in the in the book, there was a little envelope with $300 in it and the address in New York because they wanted him to come and work with them. I don't think this is true. I'm calling bullshit on this story. There's some things in here that are pretty far-fetched. Like Frank Costello wants Pee Wee Gaskins to come and work. I don't see it happening. Probably not. But uh, whatever. He can think it. He also Wouldn't said, it be a trip if they like later that was confirmed? I know. We tried to get that Pee-wee Gaskins up that here. That slippery little shit would have been perfect. <laughs> Except that's not how they talk. That's how he talked. Yeah. Listen, Shane. <laughs> All right, I need that sir. Pee-wee. <laughs> I need that Pee-wee Gaskins. Sure. Shane. <laughs> Bring me Pee-wee. To the map. <laughs> you can tell I'm getting sick. I've been coughing. Same. Dude. Oh. I'm glad. <clears throat> All that right. I, I can't blame. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. Right. Yeah, later on when he told the story. <laughs> when he told the story around, like, the honky-tonks and shit, he was he was Frank Costello's right-hand man. They oh, were I'm best sure. friends. Right. <sighs> well, he's now 28 years old. He went back to live with his mom and stepdaddy, but he didn't want to stay there and work on the tobacco farm. Let me tell you why. I'm going to read a little spot out of this book. Neary. This is what happened with his stepdaddy. He was always an asshole. 
Always an it. <laughs> this is straight from the book, The <clears throat> Final Truth. Um, he said, because I didn't want to upset my mama, I tried hard not to let it bother me that my stepdaddy always acted like a dingleberried asshole. I was still littler than him. <laughs> Sorry, I can't with this guy. <laughs> All right, proceed. <laughs> I was still littler than him, so he bossed me around and talked real nasty, nasty to me like he'd always done. But then one day, when he was working in the barn, he made a real big mistake. He got mad about the way I was doing something, or not doing something, I can't remember which, and he backhanded me hard enough to knock me sprawling. I bounced up, mad as hell, grabbed a pitchfork, and backed him up against the stall. I was truly a cunt hair away from killing this son of a bitch, but then I stopped. I couldn't kill him because for some God knows what reason my mama loved that old sack of horse shit and I couldn't never do nothing to hurt my mama. So I just pushed the prongs tight against his gut roll and told him how I made my bones in prison. I love how he calls it making his bones. And that if he ever hit me again, I would run him, <laughs> I would run him through in spite of my love for my mama. All right. That's how we feel about stepdaddy. <clears throat> he decided to move out the next day after all that went down. After he had, he was a cunt hair close to him. He moved in with a cousin. He was working a few odd jobs but couldn't find anything he wanted to do. About this time, he met that preacher. He was using the traveling preacher as a cover-up. For the breaking and entering that he was doing. I think before they said that he was driving the traveling minister. But he was just like with him. The traveling minister was selling things that people donated to him. And was preaching along the way. So that paid for his traveling ministry. Like people would donate shit. He would sell it. Use that money to travel. For the first year the preacher drove himself. And Pee Wee just rode along. But the second year he bought a station wagon and drove next to him, behind him, whatever, with him. The preacher had a travel schedule, kind of like the carnival did, and people expected him to show up about the same time every year. Pee-wee would case the houses while the preacher was preaching. And then when they were doing their thing a few miles away, he would go back and rob them. Uh, he talks about how hard it was to get a piece of ass on the road. Poor Pee-wee. He said it was easy in Florence, but on the road it was a challenge. He even had to pay for it sometimes, and he didn't like to do that. I hate it when I have to pay, pay for, for a my piece ass. ass. You, you piece, piece of asshole. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, in 1962, he got married again. Her name was Jerry Dolores. She was almost 18, and he said she was old. For his standards. He's used to those 13-year-olds. Please don't. He said that she was pretty and nice, and he treated her well, like all the women he married. I wonder what that means to him, because I to me that means you don't cheat on him, but what do I know? Beat him or cornhole him or, you know, run around on him or leave him with babies to take care of all by themselves, but hey man, I have high standards. What do I know? With $2,000 cash, though, so they didn't starve. So. At least there's that. He she traveled with him sometimes, but if she didn't, they went back about every six to eight weeks to be with his wife. He said that he got restless after about three days, though. He worked with Reverend Todd for about two years. Pee-wee said that the Reverend wasn't the, wasn't the reason it ended. It was Pee-wee's dick. 
That's what it says in the book. He's like, I just need to make sure you know that it wasn't the Reverend that ended it. It was my dick. All right, Pee. Pee Wee. <laughs> you and your Pee Wee are always getting in trouble. <clears throat> well, there was a 12 year old girl named Patsy that he said made him so hard he could barely walk. 12. She was 12. And he was 28. God damn it. Yeah. One day when his wife went to the store for groceries, he knew that her aunts were gone. He walked over to her house. She knew who he was, so she let him in. He told her about his murder in prison and the girl had and the girl he had chopped with a hatchet. She kept getting more and more scared, so he told her to get naked and he wouldn't hurt her. Now listen. I'm going to need you to understand some things. I cut a man's throat before he even ate a sandwich. I chopped a girl with a hatchet, even with the blunt side. And if (laughs) if you know what's good for you, you just best get naked. I won't do any of this to you. You just take off your dress and spread your legs. Oh, God. No, that's really what he said. I know. God damn it. Sorry. All right. Sparing you his description of what he did, he did have sex with her. Nay, nay. He fucking raped her. Yeah. When he was finished, he noticed that there was blood everywhere. She had started her period. When he was trying to figure out how to clean it up, he heard her aunts pull up, so he took her out the window and ran away to his mom's house. His aunt saw the blood and knew what had happened, and the police were at his mom shortly after he was. He was arrested and charged with statutory rape. They put him in the Florence County Jail. All right. Son of a bitch. You filthy motherfucker. God. I count with his descriptions. That's why I was like sparing his description because he's talking about her little titties and her little ass. And I'm like, I can't. Nope. No, dude, that's a 12-year-old baby. Mm-mm. I don't I don't want to rewrite that shit. No. no, just let's not. And if you want to know the description that he put in there, you're a filthy human being. Mm-hmm. When he was on his way to court, he decided he didn't like the idea of going back to the state pen. So he made a different plan. They put him in a room on the second story and he took off his cuffs while he waited for the lawyer and the prosecutor to get there. And then he jumped out the window. Hmm. He's drawing him <laughs> Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, but I couldn't think of what I wanted to say. He stole a county car that had the keys left in the ignition. He went to his mom's house, got a bag of clothes, left the car in a drainage ditch three feet full of water. So... Remember in the first one, it said that he left and circled back and wrote Pee Wee was here? Right. That doesn't say that on here. So I don't know if it didn't happen, if he forgot about that part. I don't know. But I don't know. In my mind, it happened. Okay. That's what's Well, we're st- that's we're our story and it. we're fucking sticking to it. Mm-hmm. He made it to Dylan and stole a 1962 Ford 500 Galaxy. Good pick. Mm. He was in Greensboro, North Carolina the next day and he was looking for the carnival once again. And this is where we're going to leave you, right here. This turned out to be a lot more than Nikki expected, and there's a lot of blanks that are actually being filled in now, so hopefully some of it's true, but who knows. Next week, we're really going to get into some nasty shit. The Moidas, the Moidas, the Toiches, and all the things in the final truth. And that's the final truth. I still can't get Henry Zabrowski out of my head saying, And that's the final truth! And that's the final truth! I'm not trying to steal their shit, but that episode cracked me Well, you know what's funny is, like, you're not the only person to have said it now that we've, like, dug in on this. They're like, all I can think of is Henry Zabrowski. (laughs) I wonder if we, like, paid him, if he would, like, say it for us and be like, 
they just color me dead and that's final truth oh my god that would be <laughs> so that be fucking amazing fucking incredible if we could all message him at once, do you think? Hey, he I'm gonna respond? need all y'all to get on Instagram or Twitter because they don't fuck with Facebook. No, and ask them if that that's all we need. And also, Nikki would like to butt touch Ben Kissel, and also Marcus Parks. Well, my, no, Marcus is too skinny. <laughs> I don't want to be the number ten, so I'm just gonna go for Ben. But Ben has a really cute girlfriend, so... Since when? It's been like two years. Ugh. I found out later. I would be perfect. You see us together? I don't look so fat. <laughs> I have a picture of us standing next to each other, and I look like a normal human being. <laughs> just a little chubby. That's why I like my husband as much as I do. I need. A well, I like my husband for a lot of different reasons. However, comma, pause for the effect. Spencer makes me look quite petite and teeny. I need to find. I need to find one of those. Where do we get them? Where? What water do we feed them <laughs> to make them like that? Well, do uh, not, do not let the wasps die in the nest or fly out your pee hole and drown in a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.